Jenny, thank you very much for, uh, for having the chance to uh, speak with me today about the, uh, the Mennonite Heritage Museum. Maybe let's just start with yourself. How did, how did you get involved with the, with the museum and, and just museums in general? Yeah, I mean, I got involved with the museum by fluke and uh, mostly through an interest in my family heritage. So my background is actually in early childhood education and in jewelry art and design. And my interest was still in education, but I wanted to change fields. And so I moved up to Abbotsford and I learned about the Mennonite Heritage Museum and thought it'd be really cool mm -hmm. teaching children about what is a huge part of my heritage. So I'm learning a lot about myself and um, sharing our story in it. So, yeah. Your, your interest in, in your heritage, did that come through the museum or, or through, through family stories? Or? Family stories okay. is where it started. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know any of this when I first started, and I didn't know that my family, uh, my family story is found in the museum walls. So I was able to pick off where our story stopped and find out what exactly happened. And then I was able to find our family's travel documents and how they ended up coming to Canada. So, yeah. Interesting. What, what is the history of, of the museum? How, how did it start and how did it get to the point that it is today uh, with such a you know, developed exhibition space and, and, and things yeah. like that? So uh, the museum was started by developer Peter Batikoff and he came down in 1940, 1947 or 1948 as a refugee okay. and he built himself up and became very prosperous and he wanted to have a place where he could tell the Mennonite story and give back to the community and in his thankfulness for everything he has now. And he wanted a place where the legacy of Mennonite the Mennonite story could be carried on. Because we focus on Mennonites in the Fraser Valley, or that have come to live in the Fraser Valley, the collections we have speak pretty clearly to that. Mm. Um, individual stories that we haven't heard or don't already share is something that we're always interested in. Mm. So there is interest in outreach and just um, maintaining a connection with the community to mm. gather those stories when families are ready to share them. Mm. Um, yeah. How has your uh, approach to education about the history uh, of, of the Mennonite community here and abroad, how has that changed over your time being involved with the museum? I think it started with um, learning the story, being able to share that with students, and then looking at classrooms and what teachers need and being able to develop curriculum that, um, that meets their needs. Mm. So a lot of teachers could use something that is like one curriculum unit um, of history planning and, and that's something that we can do. So we're working on creating like a museum in a box which has artifacts and documents and then a curriculum plan that goes with that. Mm. Um, and it takes you through one individual story um, but it speaks to a broader range of curriculum. Things like um, how the loss of if your human rights can lead to genocide, mm. and that's um, a portion in the um, the main gallery where we have the first great famine, and then the second famine was caused by Stalin, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, his his repression of the Russian people and Mennonites hugely. What are what are some aspirations for the 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 the, uh, the museum? Um, I think one thing that would be interest, just mostly having more of a classroom presence. So having something that we can take to teachers and either meet them where they're at, um, having more of an online programming as well, that's something that we can definitely develop more. Um, and the other thing would be any exhibitions um, that we can go and be a part of. So there's the literacy fair um, that Abbotsford normally holds and we take part in that and we have things that we bring to it, but if it was a larger 
yeah, any larger exhibitions that we can um, bring a mini museum to, that would be of interest. And there are some things upcoming, um, a big traveling exhibit, mm -hmm. I believe, that goes across Canada, and Richard can speak more to that as well. What were some things that surprised you uh, in, in being involved in the museum? I think my biggest surprise was uh, learning what my family had gone through before they came to Canada. Mm. They didn't tell me a lot of the details. I didn't know that my grandpa had been through a famine, a man-made famine at that, and survived. Um, and so that was pretty touching. What are some uh, What are some items in the collection that, that resonate with you, that you found really, uh, that draw you in? The photos, I think, mm. are the biggest thing for me because um, again, that's documentation of my family history that I even have. And so it's not my family necessarily in the photo, but what they experienced is it's a visual representation of what my family did experience. Mm. So that's a big thing. Do you find that some of the some of the stories that you're being exposed to in the museum are are those stories that have not been told or heard within your own family? Are are, are you finding you're coming back with more information and context um, yeah. in, in, the, in that regard? Yeah, I'm able to come back with more information and more context mm -hmm. um, because we have the snippets of stories but I'm gaining the bigger picture and right. I can see how would they chronologically fit in. Um, just like our, our paperwork that documents our family living under a German rule and being repatriated by them. Mm -hmm. um, essentially saved by Stalin mm -hmm. and then still able to come to Canada. So. What what are your hopes for the for the future in terms of your involvement in the museum? What what do you uh, what do you see as a as a as an aspiration? I would like to have a broader base of connection with our churches, um, and just our community in general, um, elementary schools, and it would be really great if we could partner with other museums locally so that we can not just be seen in the school system as talking about a Christian group. Mm. Um, I think it's important to have a context of different cultures when you're sharing your story so that it fits better with the curriculum and, and it speaks more to the diversity of students in our schools as well. Mm. So while our story is important to tell, I think it's important to tell it with other stories as well. Is the museum involved in any kind of research projects at the moment independently? Absolutely. I don't know that I would call it research, but the more the most gathering of information that I've been involved in is the Anabaptist history today. Mm. So there's a number of organizations in the states and in Canada that want to gather our, our current today history of what's happening with this pandemic mm. and how Anabaptists are responding to that. Mm. And so we've been reaching out to the community in our newsletter through emails and shoulder tapping just to gather people's stories and keep a record of them so that when you know we look back a generation from now. We'll have a clear record of what happened and how we dealt with things. And there's always the hindsight's 2020, right? So yeah. there's always so much to learn from that. Has it always has the connection with the with the collecting community always been quite close in the, in the museum, or do you feel that um, you, that there are more efforts now? Um, it depends on what kind of exhibits we have. So right. I imagine with the house barn exhibits, Richard's been taking. Um, that very much into hand and reaching out to people individually and sourcing out what he wants. Mm -hmm. But everything else is very relational mm -hmm. that I've experienced. All the donations we have, um, people that have are from people that have an emotional connection to the museum. This is part of their story, and they want to share their story. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What are some items that that you've seen come in um, recently that are that are exciting or? In, uh, uh, recently, we had a clock that was donated to us, and I think we're still determining if it's a. Uh, Kroger clock or a Mantler clock. Mm -hmm. Those are the two main clock families that mm -hmm. are pretty big in the Mennonite world. Um, and that'll be displayed most likely in the house barn. Okay. So that's been pretty exciting. Um, Fantastic. And again, my favorite 
one that we have is the display of the dishes in the front there, which right. is the story of the buried treasure. Oh. One woman, uh, Walter Bartel, she buried her family's, her heirlooms, her wedding gifts, and things that she had collected from her mother and her grandmother, because uh, she didn't want the Russian army to have those things. Oh. And so she buried them, and she fled to a refugee camp with her husband. And about 50 years later, she came back with her grandchildren, and she found the owner of the house. It was still standing, same house. And they had buried them under the woodshed. It's the only part of the ground that wasn't frozen, wrapped in her, her clothing and in crates and barrels. And they said, okay, sure, you can dig them up. And they found everything. And I think all that two pieces, or very few number of pieces, were broken. And the fabric had disintegrated and was gone. And the dishes were all still intact. Wow. And they managed to bring them back for me. Jenny, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. And, uh, and, and all the best. Uh, we will have a conversation with Richard as well to, uh, to discuss the, the collections. But really a fantastic uh, Fantastic work. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming.